Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the planning committee. A couple of things. Um, this afternoon, the council are experimenting by um, carrying out a trial of recording the whole of the meeting so that we can, in future, put this onto the website. So it will, it's only voice, it's not filming. Um, so we can put it onto the website so the people that can't be here this afternoon, will be able to hear the proceedings as we go along. The second thing is there are no fire drills um, scheduled for this afternoon, so if the bells go, it is for real. And if that happens, please will you make your way out of the exits and down the stairs to assemble in the courtyard outside the front of the building. Um, and also, could I ask you to turn off your mobile phones or put them onto silent? Thank you very much. So, as I say, there is a recording. Um, I don't know where it is. It must be through our speakers. Um, but that will be the, the whole of the meeting will be recorded this afternoon. Thank you. Right. Uh, apologies for absence and declarations of interest. Um, okay. And anybody have any declarations of interest today? Okay. Um, if you suddenly remember something within the middle of the meeting, please show, put up your hand and, uh, and make the declaration there. Right. Um, minutes of the planning meeting held on the 12th of February. Is it your wish that I sign them as a true record? Matters arising from those minutes, page one, page two, page three, page four, page five, page six, page seven, page eight, page nine, page 10, page 11, and page 12. Okay. Right. Uh, officers, do we have any applications withdrawn? Yes, Chairman, we have two applications withdrawn. Reference uh, on the agenda 4.2, UTT 13.3029 in Radwinter, and 4.5 on the agenda... UTT 1475 in Great Dunmo. Both of those have been withdrawn. Okay, thank you very much. Um, right, well then we will continue now. 
Yes. Can I raise a point of order, please, yes, Chairman? Yes, uh, I've always stood for openness, fairness and transparency, and your statement at the beginning with regard to it being recorded, when we were discussing video, the public speaker would have a right to not have himself videoed. Is that the same for recording? That's one point. Second point was that my understanding was that all major applications will be heard in the morning, giving us time to get through this. Otherwise, we're going to be in a long time here today. And lastly, um, I don't know if it's appropriate, but I would like consideration given if it's a proposal that all major applications uh, attract a recorded vote. Right, well, I'll answer. Uh, let, let me first of all deal with the voice. Um, um, Mrs. Olivia, you'll talk about the, um, the right of somebody to refuse to have themselves recording. I, I believe that is not the case in this. Uh, that is not the case for uh, sound recording only. Okay. Right, it's only if you're on film that you can, you can object. Um, anybody can ask for a recorded vote. As you know, it's, that's, so it is, um, you, I, we do not have to put down on our standing orders that we want recorded votes for this or recorded votes for that, um, except for the budget, which I believe the government is actually changing the Act of Parliament to do. But we don't have to. All you have to do is to ask for a recorded vote. And your other question with regard to all majors in the morning, I would say that there is no problem with us getting through the work this afternoon, and I should have thought we were, could, could um, finish at a reasonable hour. Uh, there are only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven applications on the agenda. So I think on that report, the reason we put them in the morning is if we have very heavy agendas, and I think that's, it's usually if it's over eight or nine. So. Thank you, right. Chairman. I think 16 public speakers and the time allocated then to uh, the applicant is quite a considerable amount of time, but we differ. Well, I would hope that the public speakers all speak on a different issue because if we're going to have 16 repetitions, that doesn't help our case, but I am sure that that will, not, that will happen. They are all restricted to three minutes, as you know. So, on the back of that, I'm going to ask you, Mrs. Shoesmith, who is taking the first item, which is 13-24-23, Saffron Walden. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. Members' attention is drawn to the circulated schedule of amended conditions and heads of terms, um, which hopefully you should all have a copy in front of you. The application site is located northeast of Saffron Warden, uh, north of Ashton Road, and bounded by the rear gardens of properties um, which front Divisier Avenue. Um, to the west and to the north of the application site is countryside with uh, former railway um, sidings um, running along the eastern boundary of the site. To the south of this um, application site, um, to the frontage, there is a designated um, protected special verge that runs along the boundary here. And further to the south, we have the fuel storage facility and um, the site um, to this corner here, uh, which is currently under development by Persimmons Homes. 
The application site covers an area of 13 hectares. The whole of the application site falls within the development limits of Saffron Walden and is designated safeguarded employment land. As seen on site, um, there is an increase in ground levels that run from south to north of the site, with this area here being at the highest ground level, the rest of the site being uh, on plateaued sections. There are 12 warehouses on the application site, um, varying in size and scale, uh, dating from 1950s to 1960s, ranging in heights, uh, with a maximum height being 11 and a half metres. Many of the buildings on site um, are beyond economic repair. The application is for outline consent for the demolition of buildings on site and the redevelopment of the site for um, the development of up to 167 residential dwellings with 40 affordable homes, um, the construction of a builder's mansion and yard, uh, which would cover an area of approximately 1.25 hectares, um, construction of office, office and or light industrial, covering an area of 0.45 hectares, Business, general industrial, storage and distribution for the rest of the um, site allocated here. And to the um, southern um, portion of the site, it's proposed um, for the construction of a local uh, retail store with um, flats above, um, a cafe stroke restaurant stroke public house um, attached to this, and um, a budget hotel which is proposed um, along this portion of the site. Um, this, site uh, this plan before us is an illustrative master plan. Um, as stated, all matters are reserved um, apart from point of access taken. The scheme will also involve, uh, would include a, a bus turning facility which is proposed in this section of the site. Um, in terms of the access into the site, it's proposed that this will be slightly modified to accommodate the development, but effectively um, it's that one point of access which will serve um, both um, uses. The indicative master plan illustrates how the scheme could be laid out. Um, stated the design would be um, detailed at reserve matters should planning permission be granted. The residential element is located to the west, adjacent to existing residential properties, and the commercial um, segregated to the um, eastern part of the site. There will be a road that would separate into two, serving um, separately each of the uses, with a proposed um, B1 office light industrial uh, use um, along the core of the site, um, which would serve as a buffer. There would be a landscape um, spine that would run through the site um, as part of that. This would fundamentally run above um, high-pressure gas pipes, which run through the site, which run uh, from south to north, and... Um, to the um, southwestern corner as well. Other landscaping features, um, fundamentally what's on site would be retained around the perimeters of the site and also that would be enhanced um, 
further enhanced as part of the uh, reserve matters. To the south of the site, a portion of um, open space will be retained as part of the scheme, as well as to the north of the application site. To the north, it's proposed, as it's on higher ground level as well, uh, that will be enhanced and um, maintained as a reptile habitat um, with um, pedestrian foot links that will be running through the site and around the site itself. It's stated within the application that the dwellings are, uh, would be um, policy compliant in terms of achieving amenity space, mixture and tenure. Um, the scheme would also accord with parking standards. An illustrative plan has been submitted providing heights and parameters of the scheme. Um, as you can possibly just about see here, the pink purpley elements um, is proposed to be um, of height up to nine metres in height which is the equivalent of two storey and that includes the, um, the commercial elements as well. The blue um, element highlighted it can reach up to heights of ten and a half um, metres which is the equivalent of two and a half storeys. Um, the core being obviously less sensitive um, being pushed away from the application site boundaries. A phasing scheme's also been provided, again illustrative um, of how it's proposed um, that the development will be implemented. Um, details of the uh, phasing of the proposed development is outlined in section 3.7 and page 16 of the report. The phasing scheme is essential to the implementation of the development in terms of decanting businesses and the financial release of funds to enable the redevelopment of the commercial units. As part of the application, a flexible consent is sought for the commercial floor space for building uses, types and sizes with maximum floor spaces specified. This is also outlined on page 17 of the officer's report. The flexibility which is sought uh, amongst the commercial units um, is to enable development to respond to market demand due to the application's speculative nature. The applicant's um, supporting statements, um, relevant application history, all consultation responses have been outlined um, within the officer's report. The application meets the three sustainability strands um, of the MPPF, namely being economic, social and environmental, with the aspects of the application proposing to increase the level of sustainability. The construction of residential will enable facilitating the site's commercial redevelopment to provide improved quality um, of commercial accommodation and also improve the site's overall viability. This is considered to be acceptable and therefore the principle of the proposal is also acceptable. This accords with policy and the MPPF as outlined in sections 10.1 to 10.19 of the officer's report. In terms of the proposed town centre uses, um, namely the local uh, retail store, restaurant and budget hotel, a sequential test has been undertaken in accordance with guidance. Whilst the rationale for proposing the retail store has not been accepted, um, as discussed within the report, the illustrat illustrative master plan reflects the viability of the scheme overall. 
Even though 40% of the site would be provided for residential, this together with a proposed mixed-use commercial aspect of the development would enable the commercial redevelopment of the site and facilitating the increased level of employment generated on the site um, to at least three and a half times its current um, levels. Employment is stated to be currently around 120 people on site with a proposed scheme increasing that to approximately 400 to 700 people. This is considered to be a material consideration based on the designation of the site um, which has considerable weight um, which is considered to outweigh the harm of allowing town centre uses in this location. Whilst the design is also a reserved matter, the development is capable of meeting policy requirements such as the amenity, back-to-back -back distances and car parking provision. The site is contained through mature landscaping and is well screened. The large units on site would be replaced with more modest scaled buildings. Whilst they are likely to be visible from certain vantage points, These will be, this would make a positive contribution to landscaping character and appearance uh, within this location. No landscaping objection has been raised by the Council's landscape officer. It has been de uh, demonstrated within the application that a large proportion of the proposed vehicle movement from the proposed scheme would be counterbalanced um, by the existing levels of vehicle movement and the additional traffic movement would be counterbalanced by various sustainable transport elements uh, which have been proposed as part of the application in the form of improved footpaths, cycle paths and proposed travel plans. No objection has been raised by um, the Highways Authority subject to conditions. The overall air quality impact from the proposed development was concluded within the um, air quality assessment to be insignificant, taking into account uncertainties of future projections. No objection has been raised by environmental health as a result. However, um, the response also encouraged the implementation of travel plan and highway improvements. No impact upon amenities considered as a result of the proposed development subject to conditions. Various infrastructure is proposed as part of the application to mitigate the development in the form of open space, education, health and affordable housing. These are outlined in section F on page 45 to 46 of the report. In terms of ecology, while some impact would occur, this is not considered to be detrimental and mitigation measures would be implemented through a habitat management plan and the introduction of other landscaping and wildlife corridors within the site. The proposed development is considered acceptable and in accordance with policy. Approval is therefore recommended um, subject to the circulated schedule of amendments of heads of terms and heads of, sorry, heads of terms and conditions. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you very much. Well, we have quite a lot of speakers who wish to address this, and I will start with Dan Starr, who is representing War. If you'd like to come forward. Can I remind all the speakers that you have three minutes to make your points, and I would really appreciate if you stuck to the three minutes. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon. Thank you for the time uh, being allowed to speak to you. Uh, my statement is based on guidance provided by our retained legal counsel and relates to planning policies and law. There are two key policies that are highly relevant to this application. Firstly, the whole site is designated as key employment land and so is protected against any change of use. No exceptions are permitted. Secondly, there is a three-hectare green area at the front of the site 
which has been regularly used for football for more than 20 years. Most evenings you will see children playing on it. Our town has less than a third of its required green space and this space is protected by policy LC1. It applies to all open green spaces, private or public, whether facilities are used or not, and even, as is the case here, where the owner now tries to restrict its use. Policy LC1 says that development is not permitted unless better replacement facilities are provided and none have been offered. Now you've secured a five-year housing supply in Uttlesford, under MPPF there is no longer a required planning need for new homes. That means that neither the loss of employment land or the green space is allowed, especially where there is a demonstrable need for both, as is the case in Saffron Walden. The NPPF is clear, this application should be refused. The only opportunity that you have for approving this development if, is if, is if it is an, there is an overriding material consideration. So again, we sought legal advice from our retained counsel. You can only override MPPF. It were proven beyond doubt that new homes were directly necessary to fund the redevelopment of the employment land. And with this exception, only the proceeds can be used to fund the redevelopment of the employment land. They can't be used for anything else. So how many houses are required? The developer claims 167 are. But because it is an NPPF exception, this number should have been tested and the calculation included in the officer's report. It wasn't, and you haven't been presented with the facts. So again, exactly how many new homes are necessary to fund this redevelopment? By comparing it with the cheapest homes on the next door persimmon site, 167 houses would raise at least £50 million. What does £50 million buy you? seems a lot more than the cost of redeveloping the site. It buys you 12 primary schools or a five-mile bypass around Walden. So how many houses are required? You don't know. You haven't been informed. Because the MPPF restricts you to only allow the number of new homes to directly fund the redevelopment and nothing else, you can't approve the application until you've seen this calculation. I therefore ask you to refuse the application until both a proper financial assessment have been performed and a mechanism created to make sure all the proceeds are spent on the redevelopment of the employment land and nothing else. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Starr. The next speaker is Mr. North. Thank you for the opportunity um, to speak today. I'll try and keep mine less than three minutes. I'd just like to talk about the proposed phasing. Um, on the map in front of you, the area at the front um, was earmarked phase one. That's actually a football pitch at the moment. Now, say permission is granted today, you'd probably want to know what mechanism is in place to actually um, to ensure that the housing profits are used to fund redevelopment of the rest of the site. As I'm sure you're aware, it's fairly standard practice for this kind of development where you're changing the use to have a mechanism in place to guarantee it. However, in this case, there are no mechanisms in place. There are no guarantees that the rest of the site will be developed for employment. Paragraph 3.7 of the officer's report outlines the proposed development phasing. Phase one is to build 42 houses on the football pitch at the front. There is then no obligation for the developer to do anything else. The proposed phasing means that today you would be granting the developer permission to build £13 million worth of housing on the only significant piece of open space at this end of Saffron Walden with no obligation to do anything else. They could simply bank the windfall and then stop. Of course, the developer might go on to develop phases two to six, 
Alternately, the developer, after banking £13 million from building on a football pitch, might turn around and say that the rest of the site is uneconomic and they might ask UDC for an amended planning to permission to build yet more housing. There are no guarantees. When Saffron Walden has such a deficit of open space and without proper alternative being made, it's unthinkable that you would accept this application in its current form. As mentioned, policy LC1 specifically protects us from this sort of development. I therefore urge you to refuse this proposal and invite an alternative from the developer which retains the open space, which features a proper proposal of how much employment space needs to be sacrificed for housing to make this economically viable, and, and fine Finally, to ensure there is a proper legal mechanism in place to ensure that the housing profits are subsequently used to, redevelopment, to redevelop the site for employment. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Um, yes, um, my objection is on behalf of my wife and myself being uh, residents of Division Avenue. So, our main objection to the proposed Ridgens development plan will be the impact of increased traffic along Ashton Road, Elizabeth Way and Radwinter Road. With traffic congestion already a problem at peak travel times, i.e. 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock in the mornings and 4 to 6 in the evenings, we believe this will become worse from the current Prishmin development opposite regions, let alone a further large development. We believe the majority of traffic from this new development will consist of commuting vehicles needing to reach the M11 or A11 via the B184. Virtually all this traffic will be forced to use the Ashton Road and Bridge Street, while cars travelling to Audley End Station and local schools will add to the congestion along the Radwinter Road. Surely major housing and industrial development, such as the proposed new Ridgen site, needs to be situated as close as possible to the main commuting links. In this case, the M11, A11 junctions and railway station in order to avoid unnecessary travel through built-up areas and town centres. There is also no provision for encouraging cycling as an alternative means of transport to help relieve traffic congestion. At present, the route along the Ashton Road and Radwinter Road during peak times are difficult to cycle through, to say the least. With the added traffic from any new development making the prospect of safely cycling for local journeys at peak times very unsatisfactory and even dangerous. Finally, there is our concern of losing a highly valued green area to the front of regions if this development goes ahead. This area has been extensively used by local people for many years to walk, exercise pets and play football. There are no plans to preserve or adequately replace this area in the proposed development. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. James. The next speaker is Emily Fretton. Good afternoon. 
I want to tell you about the situation regarding primary schools in Saffron Walden. I was brought up here and I'm now returning to live near my parents. I will soon be moving into a housing association house on the new persimmon development. I've had to move in much earlier than I wanted to so that my son could take the one and only place that I was offered in the town at Catherine Seymour on the opposite side of town. If I hadn't accepted it, the only alternative was to take him to the school in Radwinter if they had places. Because Catherine Seymour is on the other side of town, I've had to spend my savings to buy a car so that I can take him there. I couldn't expect him to walk there as it is a long way and he's only five and I also have a four-year-old that I have to take with me. I would have preferred to take him to a much closer school and spent the money on fittings for our new home like carpets and appliances. The reason I'm telling you all of this is because it's my own experience in this town and it's happening to me and my children now. This is the reality regarding primary education in this town, so I urge you to consider this if you're thinking about allowing more houses here. I'll be one of the first to move into my estate where, where are the other children going to go to school? Just because your staff tell you not to worry, it will be all right, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, doesn't mean anything's going to happen. I don't think we will get a new school. Schools will have to spend whatever money they have putting up porter cabins to accommodate all the children that live in all the new houses that are already going to be built in Walden. The primary schools in this town can't keep on providing more and more places. This is a big difference between what your staff tell you. There is a big difference between what your staff will tell you will happen and what will happen in practice. When you approved my estate, did they tell you that there'd only be one primary school place available in the town and that would, that would be at Catherine Seymour? Thank you. Thank you. And the next speaker is um, Josie Ridgewell. Good afternoon. The plan is statement which accompanied the application application acknowledgement that mixed-use development is at odds with the um, employment application of the site. The planning statement refers to the building conditions report submitted in support of the application. It also refers to what it describes as the clear findings of the report being that many of the buildings are in such poor quality of that refurbishment is no, no longer a viable option and that wide-scale demolition and redevelopment is therefore necessary. But neither of these statements was, in fact, demonstrated by the report. The report stated that the conclusion is that the buildings in infrastructure throughout are now beyond economic repair and redevelopment of the site to provide modern facilities to acceptable standards are now necessary. That conclusion is totally unjustifiable because all that report did was describe the quality of the existing buildings on the site. Whilst they are clearly in a poor state of repair, there is no explanation of justification as to how or why the buildings are now beyond economic repair. The planning statement says that developing the site solely for commercial purposes is simply not viable or deliverable. It also specifies that what the viability assessments have demonstrated is that not only is a mixed use development required to deliver the redevelopment of this site, but the amount of land illustrated for residential use needs to be achieved if any commercial development is to occur. But the viability assessment is not presented in support of the application. So whilst it may well be that some form and enabling use is required to facilitate regeneration of the site, the need for that enabling development has simply not been justified. 
The proposed development is therefore not justified because it has not been demonstrated that there is no reasonable prospect of the site being used for the allocated employment use. Thank you very much. Thank you. And the next speaker is Reg Smallwood. Good afternoon. The framework states, where there is no reasonable prospect of a site being used for the allocated employment use, applications for alternative uses of land or buildings should be treated on their merits, having regard to market signals and the relative need for different land uses to support sustainable local communities. But the market overview statement submitted in support of the application makes no attempt whatsoever to demonstrate that this is the case. In fact, it does the exact opposite by stating, with regard to the prospect of new industrial build, that there is arguably demand for modern industrial space, as proposed in the region scheme, but this would need to be subject to a specific marketing campaign to justify any speculative development in the absence of an obvious pre-let tenant. This does not rule out the prospect of new industrial development on the site on the grounds of viability. With regard to the prospect of new office accommodation, the report states we would expect new Grade A stock in Saffron Walden to fetch in the region of £13 to £15 per square foot when available, and that we also anticipate a rise in interest for the larger businesses in locating within Saffron Walden itself. Again, there is no suggestion that the redevelopment of the existing buildings on the site offices would not be viable. The Council's Employment Land Review points out with regard to the commercial property market in Saffron Walden. Redevelopment of the vacant warehousing at the Ashton Road Commercial Centre for commercial units would not have been viable given the recent level of demand for this situation sorry, for this situation could change in the future when the market recovers. That report was written four years ago and given the not unduly negative inclinations to emerge from the market overview statement, it seems reasonable to conclude that the market has recovered to the extent that the redevelopment of the existing premises for commercial uses may well be viable. Hence it appears that there is a reasonable prospect of this particular site being used for the allocated employment use, and as a consequence of that, it will be apparent that this application for the alternative use of land and buildings by its redevelopment for housing should not be treated on its merits, having regard to market signals and the relative need for different land uses to support sustainable local communities. Thank you. Thank you. The next speaker is Paul Garland. Good afternoon. I want to talk about sustainability, which should be the key criteria for determining planning applications. An inspector's decision on a very similar application near Chichester at the end of last year provides very clear guidance on sustainability, 
particularly on sites such as this which are distant from most services. As you'll be aware, the Ridgeon site is a long way from facilities. The centre of the proposed housing is 1.8 kilometres away from the nearest school, St Mary's. It's 1.8 kilometres from the edge of the town centre and from the nearest doctor's surgery. The officer's report says that it's 15 minutes walk to the leisure centre. In fact, it's 2.3 kilometres and over 30 minutes walk if you actually try it. The county high school is 2.8 kilometres away or 35 minutes walk. Audley End Station is more than 5 kilometres away. The key issue in the inspector's decision I referred to at the start was, and I quote, the location of the proposed development with special reference to sustainability in terms of accessibility to facilities. The inspector made her decision on the basis of the Institute of Highways and Transport acceptable maximum walking distances, one kilometre. But Ridgens is almost twice as far from most facilities. Both a core aim of the National Planning Policy Framework and a key part of the current local plan is to decrease the proportion of trips made by car by proper location of developments. Yet this development would do the opposite. It's too far to walk to most facilities. 1.8 kilometres is almost twice the acceptable maximum walking distance of 1 kilometre and 30 minutes for a young child. As the planning inspector said, you simply can't expect young children and the elderly and the ill who would inevitably be the main users of both schools and doctor's surgeries to walk these sorts of distances. As you'll know, many primary school parents also have younger children and there are always many pushchairs outside primary schools at pick-up time. Can you imagine any parents will be walking 1.8 kilometres from this development with a pushchair taking their children to school? There's no cycle provision from the site to any day-to-day facilities, and you would be brave to cycle down Ashton Road, even with the current levels of traffic. Bus travel's no better. Very few buses go past the site, and the additional provision proposed is minimal. To quote the inspector again, The proposed development would be in an unsustainable location. It would not provide development sufficiently accessible to local services and would encourage travel by car, which would impact adversely on the use of natural resources and the need to adapt to climate change, including moving to a low-carbon economy. I find this to be the decisive consideration in this case. Could you please wind up now, Mr Garland? You've gone over your three minutes. One more sentence. It's clear then that as far as the HM Planning Inspectorate is concerned, transport and accessibility issues cannot be brushed aside with vague promises of mitigation and over-optimistic assumptions about the level of impact a development will have. For the same reasons as the Inspector gave, I ask you to reject this application. Thank you. Thank you. The next speaker is David... Hornigold. Good afternoon. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. An important aspect of this application is the potential for the generation of jobs. However, I'd like to make two points regarding this aspect which I'd ask you to consider. Firstly, future job estimates are calculated using employment densities So that is to say, on average, one worker requires X amount of a particular type of floor space. 
That figure is then applied to the amount of floor space in the proposal in order to estimate the number of jobs that might be expected to result from the development. The proposal zones particular land parcels for a range of uses, which leads to a range of potential job opportunities. The range identified is staggering in variation and is between 431 and 720. The range is huge because the approach is inexact to say the least. Now the planning statement says, for the purpose of this assessment, regard has been given to the English Partnership's employment density figures 2010. These density figures have in fact been used in Nuttlesford District Council in the past in the context of its own employment land review. Councillors, that is simply not true. The employment land review relies on the figures in the East of England Regional Assembly's Employment Land Review Guidance Manual of March 2008. That is very significant because it means that for every three, job, three office jobs assumed by the developers, your employment land review would expect only two. So the figures are nowhere near the mark and can be considered to be a serious overestimate of what your own officers would be expected to provide by such a development. My second point relates to the prospect of office development being secured on the site. The Council's own employment land review states, there is no quality business park which is considered necessary in order to accommodate B1A and B1B uses to meet the needs of those core offices already in the town that wish to expand but have no suitable accommodation. And it goes on to say, whilst the existing industrial estates are suitable for B1C, B2 and B8 uses, they would not attract the office users who require a different type of environment. So that seems to suggest that the office uses would not be attracted to a site like this, which is, after all, on the wrong side of town with regard to accessing main roads and Audley End Station. And given that it's offices that bring the most jobs, then the job expectations in this development proposal seem unreasonably high. Thank you. Thank you. The next speaker is Steve Thomas. Good afternoon, thanks. Um, I ask that you reject this application because of the ongoing unlawful air pollution levels in Saffron Walden and the fact that the Council's assessment confirms that this application would make air pollution even worse. As you know, air pollution in Saffron Walden has for many years exceeded legal limits. As pollution worsened, UDC declared all of central Saffron Walden as an AQMA in 2012. The National Planning Policy Framework has specific policies regarding air pollution and AKQ, AQMAs. Paragraph 124 requires that planning policies and decisions should sustain compliance with the legal pollution limit values, taking into account the presence of AQMAs and the cumulative impacts on air quality from individual sites in local areas. Paragraph 109 requires that the planning system should prevent development from contributing to unacceptable levels of air pollution. Yet this is exactly what this application will do. It will introduce significantly more traffic onto Saffron Walden's roads. As with the existing traffic, much of it will be going through Saffron Walden to the west and will pass through the most polluted junctions in town. You will see from the officer's report that the air quality officer has raised concerns about this application and confirmed that in her assessment, air pollution will worsen. And this, even though Ridgens have understated the future traffic levels in their air quality, in their air quality claims. There are currently a number of published assessments of future air pollution in Saffron Walden. The one produced by Essex County Council predicts that pollution levels in 2018 will be well over legal limits at all the main Saffron Walden junctions. 
The KIA assessment confirms that air pollution will breach legal limits in 2018, and the Ridgens assessment confirms that air pollution will breach legal limits in 2020. On Monday, you were sent a further report from Arabs confirming that allowing this development would be contrary to the NPPF. The traffic queues predicted by these assessments are also horrible. Average peak queues of 120 cars at London Road, Debden Road, 70 cars at Thaxted Road, Radwinter Road, and 86 cars on Church Street, even after the proposed road improvements. The Church Street queue is predicted to stretch back halfway along the common, even without this application adding to yet more traffic on the Ashton Road. The proposed minor improvements at the Ashton Road Church Street Junction will be useless as the queue from the far end of Church Street will be stretching right back through the junction. Queuing is the main contributor to air pollution in Saffron Walden and this development will make it even worse. I urge you therefore to reject this development. You're fully entitled to. Indeed, this committee has an obligation not to make planning decisions which will allow further increases to air pollution where legal limits are and will continue to be breached. Thank you. Thank you. The next speaker is Mavis Gray. Good afternoon. I will praise my report because so much of it has already been covered. But I would ask you to consider the future of our young people. They shouldn't be cycling through this polluted air. They shouldn't have to be driven to school. It's a rare parent who, given a safe cycle or footpath, does not wish their child, as soon as they are able, to go independently to school and from school and to the many other activities that young people enjoy nowadays. There is no safe provision for the movement of young people from this development to or from the town. Neither is the provision for them to enjoy outdoor activity on the site itself. I know you've been to the site, but I would ask that you go again and take a small child with you and walk with it to either of the two nearer primary schools, assuming they have places, um, taking their young child, it would be Rab Butler or St Mary's, and if you could take a pushchair as well, you would understand more of what we are thinking about. The young people behave beautifully when they go to and from. I see them crossing the common. I live on Ashton Road. They enjoy socialising with each other, and they get the, the um, benefits of healthy exercise to and from school as part of their good day, and we should be encouraging that for our children, not making it more difficult for them, which is what this scheme would do. I ask that you refuse it. Thank you. Thank you. The next speaker is Julie Fuller. Good afternoon. I'm opposing this application because of the traffic problems it will cause. When I walk along Ashton Road with my grandson, who is two, and thus a slow walker, it is utterly apparent that there are problems there already. The first being the difficulty in crossing the road at the junction of Ashton Road and Elizabeth Way. Having crossed the road at a two-year-old's pace, three things become evident. Firstly, vehicles rarely get a straight run through. Secondly, they are often speeding to get to the next gap in parked cars because of someone else's perceived right of way. 
And thirdly, I have to be constantly vigilant because this fight for right-of-way regularly results in vehicles driving with two wheels on the pavement. These last two examples must inevitably result in personal injury, and I do not want it to be my grandson. Here I am recounting from direct experience current traffic conditions. The Tudor Park development of 130 homes will certainly make conditions worse. The increased traffic, both domestic and commercial, from the proposed new development at Ridgens will make traffic conditions intolerably worse. I don't believe that the proposed road changes will make things better. There will be still be considerable parking along Ashton Road, with drivers fighting for priority and no real changes are proposed. Cars do not park where they shouldn't, because of both the lack of available space and the havoc it would cause. So there is no scope to police and improve upon this as suggested. The supposed improvements to the Ashton Road Common Hill Roundabout will actually make life for pedestrians much harder, as they would induce, introduce another lane of traffic at that roundabout. As you will know, there is no pavement along the north side of Ashton Road past the Common. I come to this meeting not as a NIMBY. I fully understand the need for more housing in this area. But just because it seems an easy option to build to the east of the town does not mean it should go ahead. Logic and common sense should prevail. All traffic to the east of the town has to travel through the centre. I predict that UDC's response to all that I've said is that traffic is a county, not a district issue, and UDC is not allowed to take traffic issues into their planning decisions. But this just isn't good enough. Town councillors and local district councillors know full well how awkward and dangerous this stretch of road is already. The county's highways officer inspecting the site found herself face to face with an oncoming vehicle. How can this not be a problem? I urge you, therefore, to include traffic generation as a reason for refusal. I believe that that is defensible as an appeal by competent officers, irrespective of what Regions traffic consultants might say. Thank you. Thank you very much. And the next speaker is Diana Hoy. Good afternoon. My submission relates to the lack of education provision in the town on this and all other recent Saffron Walden developments. In accordance with the NPPF, you're entitled to reject this development on the basis that it fails to provide any necessary educational provision. And indeed, the ECC education consultation response requests that you cite lack of provision as a reason for rejection. The county education response notes that this development is estimated to generate the need for a further approximately 15 preschool children, 55 primary and 33 secondary school places. Saffron Walden schooling is full to capacity. Looking at the current lack of preschool provision, counties state that the three preschools and nurseries in Shire and Castle wards are full. Audley Ward's uh, daycare nursery is almost full. The three childminders also close to full. It's therefore care, clear that there will be insufficient preschool provision to meet the further needs of the proposed developments, and nothing is proposed to address this. 
The picture is the same for both primary and secondary school provision. County, state, the development falls within the primary admissions area of the RA Butler schools. Without development, the infant school will be three over roll of 240 in 2017, and the junior school will be 24 over roll of 300 um, within two school years. There is forecast to be a shortfall of 38 places across all primary schools in Saffron Walden without further development. Saffron Walden County High School has a capacity of 1,882 places. The forecast for 2017 is 2,068. That's a shortfall of 246 places even before the current application and any prior applications. Neither growth in population nor these forecasts are considered in this proposal or any other currently proposed developments or recently approved ones in the town. Indeed, schooling needs are being, and consultation over schooling needs, are being stoically ignored, so it seems. Not only are there no school places, but the region's site is too far from existing schools for small children to walk, as we have heard, and of course would increase car dependency, traffic congestion and pollution. The situation is completely unsustainable. Both MPPF and the Uttlesford Local Plan require that adequate infrastructure accompanies development, and it is not being provided for or considered. Um, I ask you, therefore, to reject this application. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, the next speaker is Kirsty Hornigold. Thank you. I would like to raise my concerns regarding both education and open spaces. Firstly, education. I have a four-year-old son who is due to start school this year, and I'm worried that by the time he is old enough to go to Saffron Walden County High, there will not be enough space for him. The high school already has far more applicants than places, and this does not even take into consideration the extra children from the 137 persimmon houses on Ashton Road, which are currently being built, the 52 Willis and Gambia houses on Radwinter Road that have yet to be built, and the 52 houses at the Kilns that have yet to be built. I would like to know what all these extra children from these existing housing developments, plus the additional 167 proposed houses on the region site, are going to go to school. I also have a baby daughter and have struggled to get her a place in a local nursery, as there are already not enough spaces for local children. And I'm equally worried that by the time she goes to school, there will not be enough space for her as the situation with primary schools is equally as dire. Councillors, it is essential that further educational infrastructure is in place before any extra housing development is approved. Secondly, open spaces. I would like to know when my son is supposed to go and play football and run round if the open space at Ridgens is taken away. We regularly take a football up onto Ridgens Field and go adventuring in the long grass. It is an important facility for the local community as we often see neighbours also using this space. If this open space goes, the nearest large open space will be the common, which is approximately three quarters of a mile walk and involves crossing eight roads, some of which are very busy. In particular, it is dangerous to cross Elizabeth Way and Ashton Road. It's also dangerous in some places to walk along the paths on Ashton Road due to overgrown vegetation, high banks and cars mounting the pavement. And I regularly walk into town along this route with and without my children, so I know this walking route very well. 
Expecting families to walk to the common from these new housing developments to play is, in my opinion, an accident waiting to happen. On numerous occasions, I've had to stand against the hedge on Ashton Road, gripping a four-year-old and a pram tightly as lorries and cars thunder past. What will happen is that people will have to get into their cars to drive to an open space, making all the traffic problems in the town worse. Councillors, it is essential for the local community that the existing open space is protected as part of this development for the future of our children. Thank you. Thank you. The next person is Howie, Fid Howie Fidda. Fiddy. Sorry, Fiddy, I'm talking. I'm pretty much going to reiterate and uh, reinforce what some of the other speakers have said. Um, but quite simply, I'm here today, hopefully, to save lives. Ashton Road parked cars along the side of uh, one side of it. Uh, throughout most of each day of the week, an acceptable flow of traffic both ways is impossible. And um, you all have seen at some point countless vehicles mounting the pavement in their frustration to get from one end to the other in less than 20 minutes, if you're lucky. Last week, I saw a vehicle, a small van, drive up the curb to get past, take up half the pavement at considerable speed, and forced a mother and a child with a pushchair against a wall and the van was inches away from hitting them, and watching this was horrific. I've witnessed similar near misses countless times along Ashton Road. Why is this happening? Because we have too many vehicles on our roads in Saffron Walden. It's that simple. The current Persimmon Homes development opposite Divisier Avenue of 130-odd houses is going to add another 250, 300 cars onto the roads. The proposed Ridgen site... 167 houses will yield another 350 to 400 cars. That's just a fact of life nowadays. That's a potential of six, 700 cars on the roads to what we have now. Vans, lorries, all of them spilling on our streets. Not to mention the potential 900 other vehicles carrying people to work at this proposed site. To take my child to school from one side of town to the other side at the moment takes me twice the amount of time it used to take me four years ago. We're at tipping, tipping point. We're close to gridlock in this town. It used to be a beautiful, calm market town, and it is no longer that, or at least it won't be, when there's gridlock. More vehicles on our roads means more congestion, more road damage, more expense for all of us, more pollution, and the potential of death, not just on the roads, but on the sidewalks, on the pavements. It seems we always wait for an accident or a fatality on our roads before we make changes to avoid future problems like this, damage to human lives. So let's buck the trend. Let's take preemptive action and not allow this development through. We can't allow any more large-scale housing developments like this, not at this end of town. It's the wrong place. We can't allow this beautiful town and its residents like us to suffer any more than we already are doing. Please don't let it through. Thanks. Thank you. The next speaker is Paul Chinook. Thank you. I speak as a resident of Radwinter Road. Uh, commenting first on the proposed 160 new, 167 new homes that are a part of this development, it's essential that we consider what is planned here not in isolation, but as one part of an intended major expansion of residential accommodation on the east side of Saffron Walden. 
With more such applications still in the offing, we could be faced with a thousand new homes, all grafted lopsidedly onto this small town. We shouldn't automatically oppose all new house building. Towns like ours will expand naturally. But a housing development on this scale cannot be squeezed within an existing small settlement. It will overwhelm already stretched infrastructure and ruin the character of what we have. A development of this magnitude needs to take the form of an independent, self-sufficient community in a separate location. It would, as others have said, in any case be absurd to locate a new development of any size on the east side of the town when all the transport links are to the west of the town's centre. Ashton and Radwinter roads are already at peak capacity for much of the day and would not be able to handle the increased flow of cars heading for the M11, local roads to the north and south and to the railway station. My own view is that we should question the claim that this district has no choice but to accept the imposition by national government of the building of so many new homes in our area. Government policy seems to be one of evacuate the north, concrete the south. Investment is being made in new jobs, requiring new housing for those who take these jobs in areas like the M11 corridor. Meanwhile, communities in the northeast of the country where unemployment is high are not getting the investment and not getting the support they need. We, as a community, should challenge this policy. Regarding the non-residential aspects of what is planned, it does in theory sound a good idea to use an existing site to provide new employment opportunities within Saffron Wall in itself. However, as others have said more persuasively than I could myself, Ashton Road simply isn't going to be able to cope with an increased level of traffic. This issue has simply not been thought through. The suggestion that has been made that by addressing the minor problem of illegal parking along Ashton Road, somehow the throughput of cars could be increased beyond all recognition, simply doesn't add up. Like a lot of things in this proposal, it's not been thought through, and I urge you to reject it. Thank you very much. And the last speaker in this section is Alan Storer. Thank you, Chairman. Good afternoon, members. I'm the planning advisor to the Town Council. The Ashton Road commercial area is a previously developed site, at least in part. It's quite apparent that many of the buildings are in need of repair or redevelopment. But despite that, this scheme is wrong for the site for the following reasons, in addition to what you've already heard about traffic, air pollution and education provision. First, it would entail the loss of an area of green space which is an incredibly valuable asset in this northeast quadrant of the town. This is the only such area and is extremely well used as recreational open space. Not only is this open space an asset to the community, but for at least the last 20 years, it's been laid out as a junior football pitch and has been used continually throughout that period by teams including Spartak and more recently the Saffron Walden Town under-14s. Approval is now being recommended in a report which inexplicably fails to even mention Local Plan Policy LC1, which addresses the loss of sports fields. Next, due process has not been followed, and that the Building Conditions Report has not demonstrated 
that refurbishment of the buildings is not a viable option. And the market overview statement makes no attempt to demonstrate that the proposed new users have any regard to market signals, which is a specific requirement of the National Planning Policy Framework. Also, the number of jobs proposed is a serious overestimate on the basis of the number of office jobs that will be generated per unit of floor space and the limited scope to attract officers to this site, which is, after all, on the wrong side of town. Planning law requires that applications for planning permission must be determined in accordance with the development plan unless material considerations indicate otherwise. Framework says that four times. The proposed development is contrary to the local plan, which is a development plan, because it's an allocated employment site, and also to policies in the framework such that it should not be granted planning permission. The case officer's report plays down the fact that the council now has a five-year housing land supply. But it has. And what that means is that on the basis of what I've outlined to you, this application should not be granted permission. Members, this is just the wrong scheme for both this site and the whole town. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Sir, can I just ask, were you speaking on behalf of the town council or on behalf of yourself? All right, you were speaking for yourself. Thank you, Mr. Stone. Right, we now have the agent and applicant, and you have 48 minutes if you so wish to take it. I believe there are two of you that are going to speak. Do you both want to come uh, to the... Thank you, Chairman, and good afternoon, members. Um, I'm Angela Rushworth, and I'm the Group Managing Director for Ridgens. Ridgens is a long-established family-owned business focused upon de delivering great, customer to our, great service to our customers. We trade from 25 locations, which has grown 30% in the last five years, despite the challenging trading environment, and we're committed to growing our business across the east of England. Saffron Walden is our largest branch in our network and we are committed to Saffron Walden. Having built our business here since 1958 in the town and on the Ashton Road site which we moved to in the 1980s. Not only are we committed to trading here but we are committed to continuing to develop our positive links to the community. In order for us to continue to drive our business forward we require a branch which is efficient and which supports our future business needs. The existing branch and the buildings on the commercial centre were built in the 1950s and 60s and are deteriorating and the ongoing maintenance is expensive and in some cases unviable. The branch itself was not built or designed to cater to our needs and has been adapted over the years. The Ashton Road Commercial Centre, while one of the largest commercial sites in Saffron Walden, generates today around 100 jobs, compared to over 300 in the early 2000s. We want to deliver a purpose-built new branch, allowing Ridgens to stay in Saffron Walden and remain competitive. We also wish to maximise the site's employment potential, with a comprehensive redevelopment of the site. 
Such a development cannot be funded by the rental income from the existing buildings and therefore other supporting uses are needed as part of a mixed-use scheme to help deliver the new regions branch and appropriate commercial redevelopment. We are not developers, however, we will be a key and long-term part of the development created and we have been keen to ensure that an appropriate and sensitive development be brought forward. Throughout the process, the team has worked hard to mitigate possible impacts, to inform, to consult and to engage staff, tenants, neighbours, local businesses and community groups. Thank you. Good afternoon, members. Uh, if I may, I shall put your minds at rest to start off with, uh, in that I'm not going to speak for the full allocation. And if I can, I will just maybe spend 10 minutes or so just providing a very quick summary of the planning application that is before you. The preparation of this application commenced in 2008, when we first met with your officers to discuss the challenges facing this site. Since then, Ridgins, to their credit, has prepared a very comprehensive planning proposal for the land. Ridgins have embarked on a community engagement-led application which has enabled us to speak with and discuss this application with local residents of the town and other interest groups. While we clearly remain very aware of the local concerns towards development generally within the town and respect the views that we have just heard, I would like to set out why we consider that this application has thoroughly considered all material considerations and why we feel the proposed development, together with its mitigation measures, offers a high quality and appropriate form of development which we feel should be granted planning permission. The principle of development. You will have seen from your site visit that while much of the site is developed, the buildings are in a poor state of repair. While many of the buildings are currently occupied, they are done so on peppercorn rents. Market rents cannot be charged as the quality of accommodation provided is just so poor. This is clearly not viable and a solution that is sustainable in the long term needs to be found for both the sake of Ridgins as landlord and also in my view the town given this is supposed to be a well-functioning strategic employment location. The existing buildings need to be cleared and replaced. As members will note this is an allocated employment site. The employment use of the land is therefore protected. The Council's own employment land study, however, notes that the application site is of poor quality. It also notes that the large sheds and warehouses are not, only what, are not what the market demands. Smaller, more flexible units are instead needed, and there is a surplus of warehouses and large industrial uses in the town. The lack of a quality business park within Saffron Walden is always not, also noted. While the study recommends that employment sites should be retained, it states that given some 75-80% to 80 of the stock in Saffron Walden is old and no longer fit for purpose, there may be instances where exceptions to policy are justified. At the outset of this project, a comprehensive commercial scheme was considered. Such a scheme would not, however, be viable and could not be delivered. The site needs major infrastructure upgrades and this simply cannot be funded without some enabling development. The mixed-use development hereby proposed has therefore been devised after much discussion with your officers on this basis and the specific circumstances of this site justifies a mixed-use scheme and an exception to the usual employment-led policies. 
From the outset, the mandate always was to ensure job numbers created on site are preserved and indeed enhanced, with the, amount of the support, with, with the amount of supporting uses restricted to what is needed to enable redevelopment to occur. The master plan proposes a scheme that contains commercial units, including a new ridge install, supporting uses in the form of small retail units, a restaurant and a hotel, and residential dwellings. While the proposed commercial units occupy a smaller area of the site, the provision of smaller industrial units with office spaces means that a boost in jo- local job generation is inevitable given the very low levels of job generation that are currently exist. The delivery of supporting uses ensures that sufficient funds can be generated to regenerate the entire site. Without such uses being provided, the site will only deteriorate with job generation levels continuing to fall. The supporting uses. The supporting uses of the retail unit, restaurant and hotel will in themselves assist with the overall viability of the scheme. The main reason for proposing these, however, is because they help boost the attractiveness of the commercial land and will help encourage future occupiers to locate to the site. This area of the town is not well served by supporting services and these uses will help generate the interest required to to return this site to the thriving commercial centre it once was. The provision of these uses will also help reduce the need to travel by offering some of the everyday facilities that existing and proposed employees and residents in the area need within a reasonable walking distance. In relation to the proposed housing, the master plan does relate up to 167 dwellings, which comprises 40% or 67 affordable housing units and up to 100 market dwellings. A range of unit types and sizes are proposed. Over 55% of the indicative market housing mix relate to two- and three-bedroom dwellings. The unit size the council studies show are most in demand. In relation to phasing, lots of the discussion held with officers over the last six years has centred on the phasing of the development. The key objective is to deliver replacement commercial buildings, and as a result, limitations are being placed on the delivery of the housing land to ensure the employment land is not lost and forgotten. You have already been briefed on the, planning, on the phasing arrangement, but in summary, the phasing plan enables the new ridge store to be brought on stream seamlessly. It also ensures that the commercial land is cleared and prepared for development as the residential development proceeds. For example, the second and third phases of the residential land will only be able to be commenced when the adjacent commercial land parcels have been laid out as service plots. Once service plots have been laid out, buildings will be constructed as soon as possible as confirmed market demand comes forward. The mix of employment uses proposed has been kept as flexible as possible within the submission to ensure that the site is best placed to respond to local market demand. Local evidence shows that the uptake of good quality stock within Saffron Walden is strong and it is this demand that we are seeking to respond to, but most importantly a demand we cannot respond to at present due to the poor state of the buildings. In terms of amenity, the mix of uses have been laid out to protect the amenity of existing and future residents. The residential dwellings are located on the western side of the site and abut the existing houses located within De Villa Avenue. This offers a better physical relationship than exists at present, where Richardson's own yard and the undeveloped but allocated employment land at the front of the site immediately abuts these adjacent dwellings. The amenity of future residents has also been considered and protected by securing significant buffers between commercial and residential areas. These buffers include the provision of B1 units between the Ridgins building 
and the, the main residential area, a separation distance of some 60 metres, and then in relation to the employment area at the top and far uh, back of the site, more than 110 metres of separation is provided. In terms of the open space provision, the master plan includes the provision of informal and space and equipped children's play space. A total of one hectare of informal green space is shown across the site and a little over half a hectare of children's play space. This represents a sizeable over-provision in these types of open space that is more than double the Council's adopted standards. The Council's actual open space standards are almost entirely met within the Phase 1 land alone. The concerns relating to the loss of the open space at the front of the site are noted. This is, however, land that is allocated for employment development. And that is a key point that I think hasn't come across so far today. Public access has only been allowed at the goodwill of regions. This is private land. These proposals before you will deliver proper public open space and will therefore secure a local resource that could otherwise be lost in full. The open space areas that are proposed are not to be used for attenuation ponds at any times of high rainfall and will therefore be usable throughout the year. In relation to highways, a comprehensive transport assessment has been prepared which considers the impact of the development in the peak hours as well as across a 24-hour period. Tried and tested traffic modelling measures have been used, the methodology, methodology of which has been fully agreed with the County Council. The existing use generates a lot of existing traffic and a significant proportion of which is by HGVs. These HGV movements will reduce the provision these HGV movements rather will reduce by the provision of smaller, less industrial uses on the site. The HGV traffic generated by ridges themselves will also reduce as delivery vehicles will operate from recently opened satellite stores located away from the hub at Saffron Walden. While the total amount of traffic generated by the development will increase, the significant proportion of it is offset by existing trips. Those additional trips that are provided will be offset through a comprehensive package of mitigation measures. These include measures to deliver capacity enhancements throughout the town as part of a coordinated package of town-wide improvement works which have been laid out by the County Council. Major enhancements to cycle and pedestrian routes and also public transport infrastructure are also proposed. A best turning facility within the site is to be provided, while a contribution is also to be made towards a cycle path that will link up with the station. These measures, in addition to comprehensive travel plan measures, will ensure that additional traffic generated by the development will not have an adverse impact on the local road network. Very briefly, to finish off in terms of other matters, uh, in terms of ecology, much of the site is of limited ecological value. Some sensitive areas do, however, exist. These include grassland areas along the site frontage and around its perimeter, as well as some reptile habitat areas. A bat roost also exists in one of the existing buildings. The ecological value of the site has been fully appraised and the impact of the development on these sensitive areas has been minimised. Where an impact is unavoidable, mitigation measures have been set out which include the translocation to new enhanced and enlarged ecological areas elsewhere within the site, and the subsequent management of these spaces. The impact of development on air quality has also been fully assessed and it has been agreed by the Council's Environmental Health Officer that no adverse impact on local air quality will result. The impact of development on air quality is indeed mainly described as being negligible within the technical report. 
The presence of the oil storage depot opposite the site has been fully assessed and the necessary safeguarding areas have been incorporated into the master plan. The application is fully supported by the HSE. Both the NHS and Education Authority have also confirmed that off-site enhancements need to be delivered to offset the impact of the development. Contributions have been requested. Despite these totaling more than a million pounds, these have been fully accepted as being necessary by the applicant. The payment of these contributions will enable these service providers to meet their duty to deliver appropriate local infrastructure. In summary, therefore, Ridgens has spent a great deal of time understanding the local issues relevant to this development proposal and have fully responded to these within this, this submission. While the local concerns are noted, the development delivers a comprehensive package of mitigation measures that ensure no significant adverse impact will result because of this development. This is reflected in the many positive consultation responses that you have received. The development will secure significant local benefits, however, through the delivery of a viable and thriving commercial centre and the delivery of much-needed housing. It provides a sustainable form of development that utilises an underused and dilapidated brownfield site, the presence and operation of which is resulting in many local negative impacts. With a high-quality development able to be provided within its place, we consider that the proposed regeneration of this previously developed site should be granted planning permission, and we hope that members concur with the recommendation of approval that is before you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, before I hand it over to members, there are a few questions I wanted to ask. Um, there were points raised. Um, the first one is about this, uh, the, um, the football pitch which has been laid out. That, I mean, that is on private land. Could, could you please just give us a definition about? Um, everybody keeps on quoting LC1, but as I understand it, this is a private thing on a private piece of land, not a public open space. The land itself is private land. It's secured by fencing um, all around the perimeter of the open space and with gates, as has been seen at the site visit. Um, other than um, obviously um, signs being erected around the site spe specifying that it is private land. The land in itself is covered um, within the safeguarding designation of employment. Um, so the whole of the site, including um, this element of open space, is um, safeguarded employment land. And the other question I had was with regard to education. Um, the we don't have anybody from education with us this afternoon, do we, by any chance, to, to say there, there has been, uh, within the 106 there is monies, but uh, there has been quite a lot of people that have raised issues with regard to education. Could you please comment on what the county have come back to us on that, please? The county um, education have not objected against this application in terms of education, subject to a contribution being made. Um, that is highlighted within the heads of terms and in the um, consultee representations, which are on page, page 26. Um, stated, in terms of... Um, 
our duty as a local planning authority, we've got the responsibility for the money um, and it is for us to ensure that that money is spent um, in direct relation as a result of this development. Other than that, it is down to the education authority to be spending that money to provide that education provision. Fine, and thank you. The last one before I open it up is the fact that um, there was reference to the fact that we have not um, tied up the money if they build 42 houses and then go away. I understand it. It's all tied up in the 106. I just want to have confirmation that we are very happy with that. That can we... be secured within the phasing, uh, which is entered into the heads of terms yes. on the amended schedule. That's what I thought. Okay, fine. Thank you. Uh, I'm sure there are lots of other questions. Godwin on this one. Thank you. Uh, yes, we do have our Essex County Council highways. I'd like to have comments from him, please, first. Yes, fine. Well, Thank you. Sorry, I, I meant to say we've got highways with us, so everybody can ask the highways questions. Uh, yes, comment uh, first, we're particular please. about the congestion. It, some of the uh, residents' concerns, I think perhaps you could answer as well. Yeah. Um, as, as was said, this um, application was um, subject to a um, transport assessment um, which took into account the um, traffic that the, um, a, the development will create and also the traffic that's already there in terms of what's existing on the highway and what's been made by this development at the moment and in the future. Um, there were um, a number of junctions tested and also the, um, the conditions of the general um, highway were looked at in terms of accidents, in terms of um, uh, capacity of junctions and in terms of the, the traffic flow. Um, Ashton Road obviously was seen as um, uh, where um, the majority of the traffic would, would come through and, and um, make its way through to, through to the town. Um, as part of the mitigation for this, um, the, we um, had discussions with the North, um, uh, North Essex Parking Partnership about putting a scheme through there and a contribution towards a parking scheme there to help the traffic to flow along that route. Um, it's noted that although there are problems, the traffic is moving slowly, so there are um, that does limit the number of accidents that are along there, um, but that they, um, a contribution towards a scheme to help the traffic flow um, better along there has been um, uh, one of the conditions of this um, application that we have put forward. Um, also, the uh, mitigation in terms of the um, junction, um, uh, Ashton Road, um, Castle Road, um, where there it, it's shown to go over capacity it's almost at capacity now it's shown to go over capacity so a scheme has been put forward that takes it under capacity there there have also been a number of um, conditions in terms of infrastructure for public transport in terms of um, um, improving the services that go up to that site, so extending the services there. There's very little there at the moment. Extending the services in the peak hour, providing infrastructure, providing contribution to um, cycle path down to the station and some um, uh, signage of how to get there. Um, and 
think that's the main thing. They are all laid out in the, um, in the report that you've got in front of you. Councillor Goldwyn, yes, you wish to. Sir, can I come back? Um, is there sufficient funding set aside then in the Section 106 agreements for all that? And with the parking scheme, are you going to create another car park? Are there going to be um, bays and things on roads? What exactly hmm. is your proposal for that? There's not, um, the, the parking scheme wouldn't be for extra parking, it would be for um, rationalising the parking along the road so that there were longer spaces so that people had more chance to pull in and um, larger vehicles could pull in. So it's a rationalisation moving the parking around, putting, it's not simply an enforcement scheme, um, but that is being developed at the moment by the parking partnership and I can't say exactly what that will be at the moment. Um, in terms of the amount set aside, um, some, of the, um, uh, some of the mitigation is in fact to actually undertake that mitigation, for example, to undertake the mitigation to the roundabout, to provide that bus service, to provide the infrastructure, um, and some of it is monies taken. As you know, SXI highways have produced a strategy in terms of um, what's needed for Saffron Walden to help mitigate local plan development, and it's to go towards that, um, uh, th that strategy, so it will be implementing parts of that scheme. And depending on how development comes forward and what development is, is approved, it will be how that money will be, be spent, but we have specific targets and priorities within that at the moment. And we believe that, that the money taken can take that forward. Chairman, I find these explanations really quite inadequate because this morning at 12 o'clock I hopscotched up Ashton Road. There was one of our lorries stuck outside the axe, mounted the pavement. I went hopscotching down Radwinter Road and those are not the busy times of the day. How long do the highways uh, representatives sit and survey the traffic that's coming up and down Ashton Road and Radwinter Road? And are extra parking allowances absolutely adequate for what is going to happen if this development takes place? If this development showed me where the hotel is, a primary school, where the restaurant is, a GP uh, health uh, place and if the phase one was going to be new parkland with recreational facilities I'd probably be all for it but as it is at the moment it's absolutely insane to say that just mitigating one roundabout the cycle route and a few other sort of um, refurbishments of Ashton Road is going to be adequate for the amount of traffic that's going to pour out of here and I just find this a quite inadequate explanation. Could you come back? I mean, I, I think what you're, you're actually, as I understand what you were saying, is that you are going to have certain areas along Ashton Road which you will not be allowed to park on so that there will be, um, like they do in many other streets in other towns, that you actually have enough room to be able to 
uh, there'll be parked cars, but you have enough room to pull in so that somebody can come the other way. That's how I understood your explanation. Is yes. that what you were, that, you that's were saying? What I was it's not to extra say, parking. Yes. It, with regard to the... If you disperse the cars that are parked there at the moment, where is adequate parking going to be put for those? Because are you shunting the, the problem up, is what I'm trying um, to say. How is, where, is the, where are those cars yeah. going, is what I'm asking. At that... At the moment, we haven't got that whole scheme. It is being developed by the, um, the North Essex Park, Parking Partnership and we're working with them on it. And when will we have that scheme? I understand that they're working on that at the moment and that it will be coming before you. I don't know when. Okay. All right. Well, I'll ask our officers later on with regard to that. Uh, Councillor Easton. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, Regarding highways, and I'd like to come back on other subjects later, it's, it's nice to hear that the slow-moving traffic uh, is responsible for the low accident rate on Ashton Road. How can we protect the people on the pavement from being knocked down? I've seen it many times myself. People, uh, cars mount the, and vans, the gentleman spoke about it earlier, mount the pavement and ride along the pavement quite happily with other traffic flowing in a three-lane situation. I'm afraid highways are in cloud cuckoo land if they believe that any mitigating factors are going to solve the problem. They will not. Never. Starting off, there will be an increase, due to increase, uh, an increase in traffic due to the increased employment and increased housing from the two estates. The fact that uh, there, will be a, there will not be a reduction in HGV movements and industrial traffic uh, because regions are not proposing to downsize, they're proposing to become more efficient. This doesn't mean they'll be selling less. It will probably mean they'll be selling more. Therefore, you could, if they're efficient, therefore you could expect the um, HGV traffic to increase because their sales will increase. So I'm afraid that, that is not an acceptable explanation. Um, the mitigating measures that are proposed to counter congestion and other associated perils along Ashton Road, as I say, will not work. You've got to look at page 28, 835. And it says that uh, an assessment of the evidence put forward in the transport assessment and associated technical papers concludes that the impact of the development can be mitigated if following conditions are met, what, what are the mitigating uh, items that they're supposed to be doing? It's no good. We can't just say, oh, we've got mitigating factors in, in place. I want to know about them. Just saying they've got them is no good. I mean, we've already heard that uh, the existing cars will not be recited. They won't be able to be because they've got no plans for it. Uh, it seems to me... The highways have not come up with the goods here, and they probably never will. Uh, the, as I say, the, the, the increase in traffic will be due to the two estates, and there will be no reduction due to the HGV traffic. Um, that's all I need to say on highways, Madam Chairman, as we're dealing with highways. I'll come back later if I may. Thank you. Can I just say that in the presentation from the agent, he did say that Ridgens is working in a different way and that some of the larger 
larger uh, trucks would not be coming into the centre of the town. So I think you have to take that into consideration, Councillor Easton. That is what they're doing. They're doing a different way of working. So um, the, you, you need to take that on board. Um, Madam Chairman, sorry, I, I've got to come back on that, if I may. Um, does that mean to say that regions won't be selling bricks, won't be selling timber, won't be selling all the heavy, heavy duty stuff? Of course they will. They're still going to sell those. They're not going to be, be able to get them in from little depots in, in Ashton and uh, Whittlesea and wherever else they've got depots. They're going to come in great lorries to Ashton Road, as they do now. Thank you, Chairman. I think most of it has been said, but while we've got highways, I'd also like to concur that I, I do not accept their mitigation is going to work. I think they are in Cloud Cuckoo Land. With a link road dead in the water, as much as that area of Saffron Walden is, I think this scheme that they're proposing is also dead, and the cycle path, they suggest, is miles away. I think in, ter in terms of the... Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just in terms of the um, um, Ashton Road, the um, parking partnership are looking at putting in double yellow lines in strategic places along the road, primarily in the areas of high fields and mill lane to enable buses and larger vehicles with better access for park passing places and, and where double, so double yellow lines would be put there. That's what is being looked at at the moment as part of that mitigation. Um, in terms of the um, uh, roundabout, uh, the um, uh, Ashton Road, Castle Road, Little Walden Road, um, a scheme has been put forward that does show that more, um, it gives more capacity to that roundabout and will help the traffic um, to flow there. In terms of the fact that there's an overall um, strategy for Saffron Walden, this development is contributing to that overall um, strategy um, and these are the mitigations that we can put forward for it. Uh, Councillor Mackman is next. Yeah, yeah. Hmm? My apologies. Uh, I wondered uh, how many houses along the stretch of Ashton Road have got off-street parking because when I drove down there the other day it seemed to me that quite a lot of the properties had to park on the street. Uh, I mean, the only mitigation that I could see that would make any difference would be to widen the road and that's not on the table I mean, otherwise it's just rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic uh, As we know Councillor Mackman you might have a space to put your car off the road but not everybody uses the, the space to put their car off the road Councillor Perry what, you wanted to come back and say something Yes thank you Chairman I think what they're proposing is completely out of order. I think they should listen to the people that have spoken today and listen to the Town and District Council and not the Parking Partnership. Listen to the people who have been affected by it. It's not going to work. Councillor Eden. Um, thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, I'd like to look at this quite differently because in some ways you could get excited by this development in that this is the largest industrial site in Saffron Walden and always has been. Uh, it's been there since the 30s. Of course, it had its own railway station at one time uh, and it probably during the war employed you know, more than 1,000 people. So it's a huge site with enormous potential. Um, 
You could also get excited about the idea of up to 700 jobs, of which 600 would be new. Uh, We've not had 600 new jobs um, since um, Councillor Easton was a lad. Um, So you could get excited about this sheer number of new jobs, uh, and um, uh, that's what I think we we should look at. The interesting part about it, if you look at, at, at 600 jobs and say, well, maybe that's a little optimistic, well, we've got a quote from Mr. Belton of up to 700, let's discount it back to 500. That's typically a wage bill in the order of 10, 11 million pounds for uh, semi-skilled type labour. So you've got an enormous wage bill. And the question really is, what's the capital sum required to develop a site to generate employment at that level and a wage bill at that level, which would have a significant impact on the town? And what I find disappointing, of course, is we don't see any of that. Um, we, have no, we have no part, as, 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 as councillors, at the financial underpin to this. You know, you have an industrial site, it's too big, uh, you want to redevelop it, what's the redevelopment cost, what do you redevelop it into, you can create jobs. There's a financial formula, Mr. Belt has made the point, or perhaps uh, uh, um, Ms. Rutherford, Ms. Rushford did, that this has gone on for six years. So we do, but we don't understand the finances of this. It's clearly been put into phases such that it can be cash-efficient that was you, you, you build one phase to help you spend the next, so th- that limits your borrowings and that limits your risk. Um, and that's excellent, f- good, good, f- good to financial sense from Ridgen's point of view, except the town takes the risk. Uh, and the 167 houses obviously is the priority because it supports the risk equations. Uh, and the difficulty is that the town takes the risk not, not the entrepreneur or the, the, the person developing this. And, and we're not seeing that very well. Um, it's not really covered in the heads of terms, and I would say as a businessman they're poor heads of terms, because they miss the key points about timing and the interdependencies. The heads of terms should say that this must happen for that to happen, and this must happen for that to happen. What they simply are is a list of planning issues. They're not heads of terms in an agreement that says uh, there's a financial uh, issue here. I mean, this is a 50, 60 million pound project. There should be somewhere a detailed corporate plan. The banks must be involved providing cash flow details. We're not seeing any of that. Um, And therefore, um, in terms of how we protect ourselves, is we need to say that these heads of terms have to be prepared in such a way as they provide us with certainty about the steps. My second point is... Uh, uh, has, has come. This curious notion, we clearly have a duty to ensure that the contribution to education is spent. We have a duty. I accept that duty that I have to make sure it is spent. Um, and the way you make sure it is spent is to ensure there is a plan that the other party who's going to spend it is there. There is no plan to build a secondary school in Saffron Walden. Therefore, we're taking money, we will stick in the bank, and it will last forever. I would say to you, and we're here again, we cannot make a decision about this on education until we have that plan. And therefore, when we get to a later stage, you know what's coming. I'm going to suggest that we defer this, because it is a complete nonsense for bureaucrats to say, oh, you, might, you can collect the money and look after it, but you have no obligation beyond that. We absolutely have an obligation, and I have to make it clear to people, I'm going to die in this town, not going anywhere else. I will be buried in the cemetery, and I, I have to consider what's on my grave. A real Wally died here? 
Um, I have to tell you, I will be adamant that unless we have a proper education department plan, we cannot pass these kind of applications. We have to defer them. But we'll come to that later. Mr Taylor, could you just answer the question with regard to the financial phasing, um, because it is very, very small headline within our terms of heads of terms. Yeah, within the amended heads of terms that you've had tabled, it, it does um, focus there at point 15, um, and I do accept Councillor Eden's point, as, uh, as always, um, that they are uh, brief in terms of their... But they, but that's, that's what they are. They're the heads of terms. They're not the detailed terms. This, that, would, uh, that comes later when the Section 106 um, obligation is drafted up by our legal department. So within that... Um, as Mrs. Shoesmith has said, we'd be looking at the different phasing, the different bits coming, coming forward, so they wouldn't be able to start on different areas of the, the housing until they'd done areas of the commercial and vice versa. And it would work throughout the scheme like that in accordance with the phasing plan that was shown earlier. So we do have that control, but actually the money generated by phase one um, is, is therefore used to, to help build phase two. Obviously, phase three is not released until phase two is built and constructed because phase two is the new region site and phase three is where it is at the moment. So you, you've got this jigsaw, um, not only in terms of development, but also in terms of finance, and that is um, most certainly covered within the legal agreement. Uh, that was one of the first things, well, I wasn't here in 2008, but one of the first things we were discussing in 2011 with, with um, the regions and their, their advisors in terms of ensuring the scheme st um, stacks together, both in financial timers but also in terms of the risk to the authority so that we didn't bear that risk in terms of the development not proceeding. Um, if I can just comment on, on the education, um, because... Uh, we don't have a duty, as Councillor Eden um, said. Uh, we are not the education authority. The duty lies with the education authority. Whether we like it or not, that's where the duty lies. We have a duty to consider the education issues, among the others, as part of the planning um, process and the consideration, which is what you're doing here, taking into account the advice from the education authority as well as the other consultees. That is our duty. We then collect that money when it's paid to us and then we pass it over the county council. That's our obligation. And then they have the duty to decide where and how it is spent. That is their legal responsibility and we do not have a role in that. Um, whether local government should be split in that way is a completely different issue, but that's the way it is split and has been for many years. We're not unitary authority. But in the district and county world, we collect, we consider as part of the planning application, we collect finances just the same as we do for highways, and then that is then passed over to the County Council in their responsibility to spend on those issues. And it's correct that the money has to be spent with regard to provision of the education for the area that we're dealing with. That's right. One requirement we do have is before we hand the money over, we will, they will specify um, where it is to be spent. So in here, we would require it to be spent within Saffron Walden, and then it has to be spent within 10 years. And, and that there, is, there are plans being developed in terms of doing that. Okay. Councillor Kant. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I have to agree with um, almost everything Councillor Eden has said. Um, when I looked at this originally, and, and I have visited the region sites as a customer on various occasions, um, I thought that it was a good idea to redevelop the site. Um, 
you know, it would, it would be nice to have a modern shop there rather than one where you have to go through a tunnel from one side of the shop to the other. But, there, and there are so many buts on this. The timescale has too many uncertainties, as Councillor Eden has said. And um, not only does the town take a lot of risk, but the people we're putting in these houses, um, I, I can't see them being terribly happy living on an industrial site that is going to be constantly redeveloped for, could be up to 20 or 30 years. I mean, we have had this situation because they themselves have said that they will not develop unless it is economically viable. And so we're going to have sections of that site which will continue in the state they are now, which is pretty grim if you happen to be living next door to it. It has a common ex entrance at the moment, which means skips and all sorts of stuff are going to be going up through that entrance where people with pushchairs and um, other people are going to be driving and walking through. Um, I think if we're talking about the generation of 420 to 720 jobs, most of that site is going to have to be put down to car park, not industrial dwellings. Uh, that's a phenomenal amount of people with jobs. The site is so remote that um, we have a bus in the village I live. Unfortunately, it doesn't go to where people want to go or come from, and it goes at the sort of times when if you have a job, it's not really of much use. It's okay if you want to take a casual journey, but not if you're tied to start and finish times. I asked the question on site whether the building would be the same um, size as the current one, and I was told, no, it would be 50% smaller. That surely means that at the beginning then, we're talking about redundancies and not about um, more jobs. Because in a shop which is half the size, working in a modern way, it's going to be much more dependent on um, IT and orders um, organised online than having some chap taking you around and showing you where the item is. And so I, I would think that initially we're going to be talking until the site is developed and some of the other units are developed, which again is far into the future, um, is talking about less jobs initially rather than more. The car parking issue I've mentioned, I'm not happy with parking courts and, and other things on the site of that. I think, I know it's only illustrative, but illustratively, the, it seems to me most of the green place, most of the green space is going to be um, in a protective reptile area where you would not particularly want your kids to go and, I mean, it might just be grass snakes or snowworms, but if it's anything else, not a particular area where you'd want to send your children off to play. And down at the bottom, I think most of that is going to be taken up with an area coping with um, suds drainage. And so it does seem to me that the amount of space for play for 167 houses here 
is very remote. I would think at the very least we need an area the size of a football pitch somehow incorporated into it. And so my feeling to some extent is that um, this should go back and it should come again with um, something very, very, very different. If 15 million can be raised from the first stage of development, I don't know how much it takes to build a new store. But we're talking about potential for a lot of money here. And it's not our job as a planning committee to uh, make vast profits for regions. I can understand that it is to some extent our responsibility to at least maintain the number of jobs on site and perhaps encourage a few more, but not at the expense of um, the town and the people who are going to have to be living there throughout all this development. I'm getting the feeling, and I'm, the people I've got who want to speak again are those who have spoken already, but I'm going to make some comments. I actually think that this is a site that, if it's done in the right way, will be an enhancement to the town and not a detraction. Um, there are areas that I am concerned that we don't have the full story on. Um, one of them is the fact that we do not have a full scheme in front of us how we would deal with the problems on Ashton Road. And also, I, I do get concerned that uh, I know education is not our remit, but I think we, it, would be, it, it would be nicer to have a little clearer guidance from the authority. I'm all for a unitary. I think we should have been doing uh, education ourselves a long time ago because I think planning and education go together. Um, so my feeling is that the um, suggestion of my uh, vice chairman to defer this matter is probably a good idea and um, I will recommend from the chair that we defer this because we would like some more information. I think phasing, I can understand. Um, I have to say that actually having grown up in London, actually slow worms and snakes and things were great fun to children and they will actually go out and chase them around quite a lot. So I think your fears on that end, as I've got older, I don't like them. But um, I think that from that point of view, I think that we could ask to be looked again at the, the open um, space area. So I'm, I'm proposing it from the chair. Do I have a second? I think Councillor Mackman, are you seconding me? I certainly am, Chair. And uh, this is uh, a development where, because of the nature of the site, we would be very rash to turn it down out of hand. I think we've certainly got to have it come back in front of us with the, with the information that you've suggested and that Councillor Eden has suggest, yeah, suggested. But uh, I'd like to think that the officers could recommend some improvements to the scheme in the meantime. Right, we, don't, we can't discuss it any longer. We have to now uh, ask for this to go back, to defer it. There can be no more discussion. Um, I have to go to a vote on that straight away for deferral. Um, but I think it's very obvious from all the discussions we've had, that's why we were deferring it. Right. All those in favour of deferral, please show. Those against? Three. It is going... Four. Did you defer? I must ask members if you can put your hands really up because then everybody can see them. It's four. It has been carried for deferral. And one abstention. One abstention? 
One abstention. Fine. Okay. Right. Uh, this item is deferred for further information with regard to all the reasons that were put up. Can I suggest we have a three-minute break now while I know a lot of people will wish to clear the room? Thank you. We reconvene, and the next application is we've, the, the Radwinter was withdrawn, so now we're going to do 132340 Little Dummo, and Mrs. Matheson, you're going to take us through this. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Um, before I start, there's um, a sheet with an updated uh, recommendation in front of members. Um, this, it's the area in red highlighted that is um, recommended to be updated. Um, we're following comments or further comments from the Housing Enabling Officer. Um, it's recommended that the legal agreement would specify that the affordable housing provision should be in two groups um, on the site comprising five and six dwellings respectively. Um, in addition to that update, also condition um, 2B on page 84 there is a word missing which fundamentally changes the wording of the condition. It should read, the development hereby permitted shall be begun no later than the expiration of um, two years from the date of approval of the last of the reserve matters to be approved. So the, the no has been omitted from the hard copy in front of you and it's, it would be recommended that is um, included in any final recommendation. The application... Um, the site is located on, um, sorry, in, in Little Dunmo, close to the uh, Flitch Green um, residential area and the Flitch Way. Um, the site is currently, well, is formerly a waste transfer station on just over half of the site, um, with two residential properties in the, in the form of a pair of semi-detached cottages. The waste transfer station element of the site has been uh, removed from the site and the operation is now undertaken elsewhere um, in Chelmsford. That, that use was uh, a non-conforming use in the countryside and uh, created a, a large amount of vehicle movements on the roads through uh, Felsted and Little Dunmo. Uh, the, the use has ceased um, some time ago, um, sort of 12 to 18 months ago. Um, it could be reinstated at any time. The, the use has not been extinguished at this time. This application is for um, outline planning permission with all matters reserved except access for the erection of 40 dwellings. Um, it would involve the demolition of all existing structures on the site, including the pair of semi-detached cottages and the removal of the earth buns around the site that screen the um, former waste transfer station. Um, this, there's an indicative plan that has been submitted. This is um, on, in front of you now. And uh, the, waste transfer state, sorry, the waste transfer station area of the site is brownfield previously developed land. Um, the site is located outside the development limits um, of Little Dunmo or Felsted. And there would, it would involve additional development um, built form in the countryside. However, because of the non-conforming use that could be reinstated at any time, um, and the benefits of this site being developed um, in a sustainable location with access to shops and services, public transport, 
without the need to rely on private motor vehicles, it is considered that the uh, development of the site is beneficial. Um, the integrative layout shows uh, a, a dwelling per hectare density of 34. This is a, a moderate uh, density and is considered to be acceptable. There would be landscaping of the site around the boundaries. Um, that would be the subject of reserve matters application, including other details. Um, two areas of public open space are proposed. There's an area to the front of the site which would um, enable an open view of the site rather than having built from right up to the front boundary. So views past uh, the site when travelling along Station Road, you would be uh, greeted with either landscaped areas or um, for the, the bulk of the frontage or uh, the, the open area of public open space. And then there is a, a further larger area to the rear of the site um, where there are two existing trees that would be retained. Um, the application has been assessed for viability in relation to affordable housing. Originally, no affordable housing was proposed as part of the, um, the scheme. The council has um, requested and assessed a viability um, assessment from the applicant. There have been extensive discussions uh, between the council's viability consultant and the applicants and it has been agreed that due to existing um, issues in relation to developing the site such as contaminated land, um, a, uh, an acceptable level of affordable housing in this instance would be 27.5% rather than the 40% that is usually required. This would amount to 11 dwellings out of the, the total 40 that would be affordable housing. Um, because of the amount of information that has been submitted to the council and assessed and considered overall that this is a, a viable amount, it is recommended that, um, that the 11 units is acceptable. Um, but that is based on the circumstances of this site. It is not uh, a reduction in the overall requirements of the council. So um, there is an indication here of, um, again, indicative, so it's not set in stone. If reserve matters um, come forward, it doesn't necessarily have to reflect this. This plan shows um, the story heights of the buildings. The pink is single story, which is um, primarily likely to be garaging. The light blue would be one and a half story. Um, the dark blue is two story and the yellow is two and a half story. There is change in levels where this site is lower than the land surrounding the site, so the, um, the range of heights um, is considered to be acceptable. Two and a half storey would be acceptable on this site without having a, a detrimental impact on the, the surrounding countryside. This is um, indicative street seeds. Again, it is only indicative and could be subject to change, but the plans do indicate that the scheme could comprise uh, traditionally designed dwellings that would be in keeping with um, those in the, within the district and North Essex. So subject to um, the revised recommendation relating to the heads of terms and in the legal agreement and the revised condition in addition to the other conditions in, in the report, the recommendation is for conditional approval. Thank you very much. And the, uh, there is the, the parking comes up to our standards of parking for each dwelling and the, all the houses uh, meet our garden sizes. Is that correct? Um, the indicative details indicate that this scheme can meet our standards. 
can meet our standards, there is enough room to do it. Councillor Mackman. Thank you very much. Uh, probably much to the surprise of some officers, I'm uh, actually quite comfortable with this application and I'm uh, minded to propose that we accept the recommendation. I mean, uh, your view on that, Mrs. Matheson, I suspect that um, uh, the land size is going to give a problem with a bungalow, but... Um um, I, we can't rule out the possibility of bungalows. No. Um, it, it is something that potentially could be accommodated, but um, we could add an informative to the decision yeah. notice. Yeah. Yes, if we could add an informative, that would be good idea. Anybody else wish to speak? Councillor Kant. Can we reiterate that the gardens all need to comply with the Essex Design Guide standards? Please? Yes, that's what uh, I asked, and it's on condition three, I gather. Councillor Eden. Um, uh, thank you, Madam Chairman. Uh, yes, I, I, I speak wearing my hat as the Uttlesford Transport uh, Forum Chairman. Um, the only reference to transport is actually 8.12, where Network Rail basically profusely apologised for they're not being a rail service. Um, uh, can we just make sure we, we have some reference to relationships with the bus stop? I mean, there is a bus service on Station Road, but it, it's, there's no mention anywhere, and even the parish council don't raise it, uh, but there ought to be some reference to, to, to how we guide uh, people from this development to a bus stop and make sure there is one. I think I have a suspicion that there's a bu In fact, I'm pretty sure there is a bus stop outside the... Uh, 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 outside each entrance of the um, Oakwood Park, Oakwood Park. So, hmm? yes, there's a bus and a bus shelter, which is not a million miles away. Um, I know we, but I, I mean, it's, it, it, it would take you three minutes to walk there, I seem to recall. Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. Very good. Thank you. Um, if I could just come back on paragraph 10.3. Um, it does indicate that there are bus, bus stops adjacent to Flitch Green and the routes that those bus stops serve. Councillor Perry. Thank you, Chair. My, my only concern is uh, taken up by Little Dumbo Parish Council whereby they say that uh, there is no provision provided for young children, only an oak tree in the corner. I think there was, there was um, in your presentation, you said there were two areas that there would be play, uh, PO, PO, planned open space. Uh, here we go. Look, it's quite large there, and there's one in the front. All right. So there is actually provision made. Councillor Easton. Thank you, Chairman. Um, on page 82, under flooding contaminated land, has any flood assessment, flood risk assessment being received for this because it's my understanding that if the buns are going to be removed then there might be a flood risk. Um, yes, in uh, paragraph 10.8 it does say that a, sub, a flood risk assessment was submitted yep, with yep, the application uh, and this was considered by the Environment Agency 
um, they have raised no concerns subject to conditions requiring the implementation of the, of the flood risk assessment. It says there's no concerns. I'm just trying we to have find no that. concerns. The proposal is acceptable. They say. Okay. Right. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, I see it now. Sorry, okay. didn't see it before. Okay. Right. Sorry, thank you for letting me come back. I, I forgot. When we were on site yesterday, the public open space, it, it has reeds growing on it in um, two streamy-like places. It's also backed by a very steep bank, which suggests that the fields behind are draining. Is there somehow we can put a condition in there so that the public open space is not just a boggy bit where you can't actually let anyone go, um, but is actually drained perhaps or some sort of drainage involved so that it is actually usable as a public open space and not left as a bog? Uh, Mr Brown. Yeah, the, am I working? First time I turned it on today. Um, Clause 3 on the suggested section 106 is the, the public open space is secured through the section 106 and part of that will require it to be up to a certain standard which includes all the issues we've just raised. Right, it has been proposed and seconded for approval. All those in favour, please show. Unanimous. Lovely. Next planning application is... 132836 Elsnum and Mrs. Matheson, you're going to take us through this. Thank you, Chair. Um, this application is for the erection of six dwellings in Elsnum. Members may recall um, considering previous application for a similar scheme on this site um, in January 2013. This is a revision to the approved scheme. Um, it's a, a, a mix of um, three two-bedroom and three three-bedroom two-storey dwellings. Um, and it, broadly, uh, much of the layout remains as approved with the exception of the access in, is being repositioned in, in this location to the top corner of the site, whereas previously it came in through this area. Um, there has been some alterations to the um, positioning of dwellings as a result of that change to the access. Um, there are now a pair of semi-detached properties um, at an angle um, in the, this northern section. Um, the angle is to ensure that they have sufficient distance to meet the back-to-back -back standards between uh, properties, existing properties at Lees, which is to the north of the screen. Um, and then, obviously, the, um, the, the properties, the other side of the access, have also been, um, their, their position has been amended. Um, the site is outside the development limits for Elsnum. Um, it's, it run, the boundary runs along the three edges of the site here, and there are three, um, three sides of the site are bounded by existing residential development. Um, this has previously been considered to be acceptable with approval of the last application. Um, this is the um, details of the um, elevations of the, of the dwellings, which are uh, very similar to those previously approved. Um, the changes really fundamentally only relate to the layout. Um, the site is sustainable uh, and the recommendation is for conditional approval. Thank you. Hush. 
<laughs> you propose the appro approval. Uh, do I have a seconder, Councillor Eason? Does anybody wish to speak with regard to this? And we've been through it before. It looks like that the uh, highways entrance is going to be a lot better where it is than it was before. Councillor Hicks. Uh, 87 square metres for a three-bedroom house. Is that acceptable by our standards? Um, the Essex Design Guide um, says 100 square metres for a three-bedroom um, and above property. At the time that the previous application was considered, we were accepting 75 square metres for a three-bedroom property. On the basis that there is an extent planning permission, and this is just a revision to that, it would be unreasonable to um, require the garden standards to be raised to meet 100 square metres um, when their fallback position is an existing um, planning permission. There is no significant difference between the two, two schemes. So officer advises that 87 square metres is acceptable in this particular application? That's it, yes. No, it's working. Um, in this particular, because we allowed permission to go through with 75 before, it would be unreasonable. We're now getting 87 because of the new layout. Um, and actually, I think we've been advised before that it will be very hard to defend on appeal only 13% smaller uh, gardens. It's... Um, it's on, so, so that's why the recommendation is as it is. Councillor Perry. Uh, the only thing, Chairman, is I, I quite agree with what everybody's saying, but at the moment we're being plagued with little sites everywhere where people that are involved in the build of that site seem to park directly outside. Is there any way we can put an informative on it that they can park on site first before they block up all the side roads? Are you referring to the construction traffic? Yeah. All right. We can actually ask for a construction man management clause. Mr. Brown, could you... The big question is, for six dwellings, is that absolutely necessary? On the larger sites, we're putting those type of clauses in whereby general construction management, whereby vehicles parked, wheel cleaning is all done in one, whether it's necessary for actual six. I do hear I what you say, but that could generate 12 or more vehicles. Within the I, I have to say that I reckon it causes more problems on the smaller sites than it does on the bigger sites at once. Now, you'll have your chairman that says that, and that's, that's not often I come in. And therefore, could we please have a condition that at least we could ask them to do a, a traffic, uh, a construction management... Um, yeah, but do you want that as a condition or an informative? Cause um, condition, I think. Mm. We'll have it as a condition, please. Yeah. Are the proposer and seconder happy to take that? Yes. Okay. It has been proposed and seconded for approval with the condition with, with regard to managing construction traffic. All those in favour, please show. Unanimous. Unanimous. Okay, fine. The next one is being withdrawn. So the next one we go to is 133462 Felsted. Mrs. Denmark, you're going to take us through this. 
And this is the church back. Thank you, Chairman. This application relates to um, the Church of Holy Cross in Felsted, and it's a Grade 1 listed building. Um, members will probably remember the site, uh, the granted plan of permission for an extension to the building in 2011. This proposal seeks to amend the design of the extension by a reduction in size of the glazed link, removal of the oak timber shutters on all elevations, inclusion of low-level external lighting to pathways and building entrance points, and full details of fenestration arrangements. This is the extension that's um, obviously been approved previously, and um, I'm not sure you can see where the lighting's going on that. Um, the, these are the revised elevations. Um, so this is, this is the extension here and this one here. And I've also got the previous um, elevations so that you can see the difference between the two. So um, the, I've only got one side elevation, but essentially they were sort of similar um, to that, both sides. And that was the rear... Um, concern has been raised by the conservation officer about the proposals, but conditions have been imposed to overcome those concerns. Um, they were essentially to do with the windows. Uh, she doesn't like the um, top-hung um, opening vents, um, so there's conditions to cover that. Um, the issues are as set out in the officer's report, and it's recommended that the application be approved. Um, sorry, could you just explain the top openings? She is concerned that there are top openings instead of bottom openings, and therefore she wishes to um, to have just glazed links that you open down the bottom. Is that right? Essentially, the top openings are not really in character with the keeping of the church. Keeping in character with the church, um, so the um, so it's. Um, Whereas if they were uh, just long windows without top openings, then they would be um, in keeping with the character. Uh, Does the church itself have windows that are open, are able to be opened? If not, I can't see that's relevant. I don't know whether... The, I, I, I'm not as familiar with Felsted Church as I am with some others. Um, I know in my in Little Canfield Church that I go to, that we do actually have top opening windows, which is interesting. It's, uh, they're very old and they're very drafty. I think we'd all like them not to be able to be opened. But you're saying that um, instead of uh, top opening, they would just be, for this hall, there will just be normal opening windows like we have in a, in a normal house. So, okay. Sure. Um, Councillor, wait a minute, I've got hands all over the place. Councillor Hicks, let's Just start a bit of clarification, you. Chairman. Uh, the description in the report is proposed windows should be not be top pivoted, not top opening, uh, as, as you've been saying. So, uh, um, w what are we really talking about? <laughs> I, I thought pivot, top pivoted meant the hinges are at the top. You would agree. So it pulls out at the bottom. 
Right. Thank you. And I presume that they're taking out the path lights. Is that was they were taking out the path lights? Was that? They're putting them in. Fine. I think actually that's very sensible because um, yes, you're actually sorry. I misunderstood that. Okay, it has been proposed and seconded for approval. These small alterations. I personally think with the with the glaze link slightly lower, it will be less of an intrusion on it. But um, I look forward to seeing it done because we gave permission some time ago, didn't we? Yeah. All those in favour, please show. You know. One abstention? Unanimous. Are we all sure about that? Okay, the next one is 130065. Henham and Mrs. Denmark, you're going to take us through it again. Um, you should have been given a list of um, updated conditions because um, when I was going through the report I realised that there were some errors in there. So you should have three pages which I gave you earlier on um, with those updated conditions. Um, essentially conditions... Um, uh, conditions 7, 8, 9, 11 and 13 have been removed because they shouldn't have been put on in the first place. This application relates to a site in Chickney Road in Henham. You'll probably recall this site. It's been before the committee several times, originally for the granting of outline planning permission for 14 houses and subsequently to amend and vary some of the conditions. I believe it was the last committee I brought this back to you to amend the path through the site. Um, the application is for full planning permission for 14 dwellings. Um, this would be laid out in a, sorry, 16 dwellings. It would be laid out in a cul-de-sac with two rows of residential development, um, similar to the previously approved scheme. It would be a mix of dwellings, three five-bed, two four-bed, eight three-bed, two two-beds, and a two-bedroom bungalow. 40% affordable housing is proposed, and these would be located... Um, the, the blue houses here would be the affordable units and the two at the back. Um, the proposals satisfy the council standards in relation to parking provision and garden sizes. The dwellings would be a mix of two-storey and two-and-a-half-storey, um, plus the bungalow on the front, and um, the two-and-a-half-storey dwellings would have dormers in the rear elevation, so that's uh, these ones here, and uh, these ones also have dormers in the rear. These are along the back of the site, um, and this is the road frontage view. Um, there's uh, no objections from such two constatees. The issues are set out in the report, and it's recommended that the application be approved. Councillor Godwin. recommendation. Can I just check all garden sizes are okay, all parking is okay. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Eastham, do you wish to say anything? Just pleased to see a bungalow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I find it quite interesting that I gather Mr. Pickles is suddenly giving us instructions that we're meant to be having bungalows. Well, we've been putting bungalows into our developments for quite some time. So he's actually heard. We're teaching Mr. Pickles something. Hmm? (laughs) Right. If nobody else wishes to speak, all those in favour, please show. Unanimous. Right. Um... Right, the next one is 130047 Wickham Bonham, and Mrs. Denmark again. Sorry. Right, this is an application for Howlands Farm in Wickham Bonhunt. There's some photos down the bottom in the corner there that show you the current access into the farm. Um, they applied originally for a new access point further along. I'm not com- I'm entirely sure of the location, which was refused and dismissed on appeal because it would have been harmful to the character of the area and would have Um, involved removing a lot of the um, vegetation along the frontage. Um, So this proposal seeks to upgrade the existing access which is currently not suitable for HGV vehicles which need to call at the farm. Um, So the proposal is to put in some new struts into um, either side of the bridge and put a new surface over so it overhangs the existing bridge, makes it wider, makes it stronger and um, will be suitable for um, modern farm machinery which is much larger than um, it used to be and um, allows... Um, vehicles to enter the site safely without the risk of um, uh, I believe at the moment it doesn't have any sides so they're proposing to have some sides to it um, concrete sides to it so um, the risk of toppling is also alleviated um, and this shows the the turning paths into it Um, there's no objections and the recommendation is that the application be approved Councillor Eastham there's a speaker. Ah, oh, there's a speaker. Uh, sorry, Mr. Jennings would like to speak. <laughs> so, do apologise, Mr. Jennings. It's, it's been a long committee, I think. <laughs> first, uh, first, I'd like to thank you for giving me the opportunity to address you regarding my client's proposals for an engineering operation to upgrade the existing bridge which crosses the brook at Howlands Farm, Quendon. It's important to emphasise that an important component of the application was the the desire to maintain the existing brick and stone bridge in situ, as this clearly contributes to the character and appearance of the area. However, the existing appearance of of the bridge as as it sits there now is constructed of steel and concrete, with motorway crash barriers forming the handrails. These motorway crash barriers are to be removed. The current bridge is in poor structural repair and is not capable of bearing the weight of modern farm machinery or the HGVs which occasionally visit Howlands Farm. These visits are very infrequent and will amount to no more than 18 visits per year to remove grain from the existing grain store and for tankers delivering liquid fertiliser. Farm machinery currently uses both this bridge and also accesses the farmland from an existing access to the east over a bridleway. This access is not suitable for HEVs and the proposal will prevent conflict with existing users of the bridleway crossing the northern part of the farm holding. 
which is about 2,500 uh, acres. It's important to note that neither Essex County Council, Highways Department nor the Environment Agency have raised objections to this proposal, subject to the imposition of conditions which we're happy for. My client has also used a well-respected highways consultant to formulate the access proposals to minimise conflict between the users of the bridge and, more importantly, the B1083. If the bridge cannot be upgraded for use, this will result in the need for lorries to be loaded on the B1083, which is an inherent danger of loader machines needing to recross the bridge to move grain. The pumping of liquid fertilisers through a pipe across the bridge could also increase, increase the risk of contamination to the watercourse. I suspect these are risks which the Council would also wish to avoid. Finally, as the case officer said, a previous application for a new access to the east of the site was refused and dismissed as appeal. The main reason, as she said, was being the effect of development on the character and appearance of the area. As part of the inspector's del deliberations, he considered whether alternative access options should be considered, including the bridge at Howlands Farm. At paragraph 9, the inspector has stated that, however, despite the appellant's assertion that the necessary works to the bridge would have a large visual impact to the to the visual structure, there's no clear evidence that the necessary works to the bridge could be not be achieved sympathetically. As a consequence of this appeal, my client has looked to formulate a sympathetic proposal to upgrade this bridge and provide a structure which is simple in design, replaces the crash barriers with railings and retains the existing historic brick structure. The access to the main road will also be improved to meet modern stand standards. I think finally also I need, probably need to emphasise as well, my client is happy for permitted development rights to be taken away to prevent this site being used for anything except for agriculture, because obviously at the moment we could have the potential to change these buildings to, to other uses, which I know has been raised by objectors, and then it's respectively requested that planning permission be granted. Thank you. Thank you. Could you answer that question about PD rights, please, somebody? Could somebody answer about permitted development rights? There's um, a proposal for... Um, it's not yet legislation um, for... Um, I think you can change... Well, there's so many changes to permitted development rights. Um, I can't remember which ones are, yet in for, uh, are now in force and which ones are coming in, but um, there are proposals to, to introduce permitted development rights for changing the use of agricultural buildings to dwellings and things like that. Um, so uh, but I believe there are some for um, other uses, sort of B B1 uses and things like that at the moment. Um, but th this is a changing field all the time at the moment. So but we, we don't, Jim, we don't consider it's necessary no, on the back don't. of this application. There is no justification to do this on the back of this application. I propose that we accept this, Madam Chairman, and I'll prove it. Speak. All right, I'll go to the vote. All those in favour, please show. Unanimous. Fine, thank you very much. Right, and the last one on the list is 13. Fine, yes, okay, fine. Sorry, you're about to depart. Um, is one. 133360 Debden and Sam Heath, you're going to take us through this. Thank you, Chair. The site is located within the development limits for Debden, and it, um, this application relates to the erection of a two story rear extension. The existing single story um, extension will be demolished to make way for it, so that's shown here and this part of it here. So the extension you can see is the darker shaded 
part um, on this plan and it will provide a larger kitchen at ground floor level and an ensuite at first floor. As a result of the modest nature of the extension and the distance between the site and neighbouring properties, there will be no impact on neighbouring amenity. Uh, the proposal is considered to be acceptable and the recommendation is for conditional approval. Thank you. Councillor Kant is proposing it. Councillor Godwin is seconding it. Does anybody wish to say anything? I will go straight to the vote. All those in favour, please share. Fine. Thank you. Now, the next one is appeal decisions. Oh, Mr. Brown, some of them are interesting. Mr. Brown will be very happy to take any detailed questions you have on this. <laughs> Well, let's say that... Um, he was on holiday and I wrote too. <laughs> uh, okay, fine. Well, now I, I have to say that um, at land north of Bullock's Lane, Takeley, um, was a good decision um, uh, because I think it, it, it once again showed very strongly that um, glimpses of open countryside are very important in certain areas. Any other comments on any of them, members? Hmm? Oh, oh, right. That one's still, that's one's on this one, is it? Oh, okay. Fine. Right. Yes, yes, it was because that was some time ago. Yeah. yeah, that was interesting. And the land north of the green. That was with regard to the detail, wasn't it, Councillor Mackman? So. Mhm. Right. Okay, and then the last one is planning agreements. I know that the first one's been withdrawn, correct? The first, the first one has been withdrawn off the. From, so we don't know what's happening on that one. Anybody else got any questions to ask? Right. So any other business? I have none. Thank you all very much, and I will close the meeting. <laughs>